Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders who influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. So, let me ask you a question. How do you personally, how do you define stress? What is stress? We're not looking for dictionary.com answers here. Because frankly, we all have our own very unique definition of what stress is. Unmanaged emotions or thoughts for me. Um, so once I work through them, then they're gone. But yeah, until I manage them properly. Yeah, good. I was thinking for me, it's more of like those external pressure points that I don't have control over. And therefore, I have to focus on the how do I control and manage my response to it. Mm -hmm. Good, good. For me, it's when there's more stimuli going on than I can process. So it's just like too many things for what I can actually juggle. And that feeling of, I'm still trying to do it, but I know I'm not juggling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Good, good answers. What is stress? Who's next? Let me pick on a few left here. How about Randall? <laughs> oh, that was stressful. Right? I, I, I was like, this moment is silence and it's going to be me. I know it. It's just how it works. I was gearing up for it and controlling me in the environment. I mean, I could have just like shook my head. No, I think, I mean, all, all sense of, of how or what I perceive stress to be or have been said here. It's internal, external stimuli. It's controlling myself in the environment that is not controllable by me. It, it's pressures of the outside world or perceived differences the team, the lead, your spouse, I don't really care, sees something as high priority or needs to happen now and you view it completely different. And so, I mean, it can come back to some of it is lack of communication or lack of understanding with the, the other person or, or the other end of what's going on. Good. Let me ask the next question on that. Can stress be good? Is there such thing as good stress? As a um, perpetual procrastinator, absolutely. <laughs> I, that's where I was going too, Jennifer. <laughs> I do my best work under pressure. Uh -huh. <laughs> I get that. It's all about the, the creation of deadlines and whether or not they're legit for anybody else, but your own deadlines, right? Yeah. Self-imposed deadlines that cause this stress so that I can procrastinate. Really, it's about what that's about. I want to procrastinate. <laughs> A little stress now to get something done. Yeah. What are some of the common stress triggers? What are some triggers that like you'll feel stress immediately when that trigger takes place? For me, it's, uh, I subscribe to the 80%, I guess, of my Michael Hyatt, uh, time management. And, uh, on Sundays I'm planning out my week and, you know, my big three and stuff. And I'm finding I have to stop doing that on Sundays now because the, I start stressing out about, okay, we've got to get this done by Thursday. I got to get this done. And, and you're right. You're just like, I'm not sleeping until three in the morning. My mind is on the hamster wheel is, is going, I'm already fixing a machine. I'm already got, you know, trying to move the crew, whatever. It's, uh, it's very stressful. Yeah. So, uh, planning your week to be efficient actually created more stress. 
I get that, Corey. Don't tell me that I need to create my next three tasks for tomorrow at the end of the day today because it's not going to happen or I'm going to come in tomorrow and I'm going to look at those three tasks going, what the hell was I thinking? These are useless and not going to fit my story at all. Those can wait. I've got more pressing matters because I will either inevitably miss something along the way or I totally should decide when I show up or come into the office or, you know, the conversation I've had on the way to my desk that those three things just do not matter right now. I always find, so I'm a team lead that I can try and think about what I want to do. Like I can try and plan those things out, but it never works out because I have to be responsive to the problems or the unplanned things that come up within my team. And that is hard. But my triggers really are when people want to add emotions to the conversation. And for me, that is the one thing that stressed me out to no end. And then I do the shutdown. Interesting. Good, Jennifer. I'm going to just roll out with spite. Tell me I can't do something and I'll prove to you that I can, but I'm going to probably wipe your nose through it. And so you're going to trigger me to get a result and I'm going to get the job done, but you're going to feel awful when it's over because I I did it all and you wanted me to do something, but you're going to feel awful about it. And I'm going to make sure of that. And whether or not it's always intended, the spike comes through real strong, especially when, like Mark said in, in the chat, right? Someone else's emergency becomes my urgency. Mm-hmm. I'll get it done, but you're not, you're going to regret it, unfortunately. And it, it's, it's a known story. Mm, note to self. Yeah. <laughs> so, Randall, let me ask you a question then. Sure. Why can't we just say no? I'm not sure we want to unpack 30 years worth of information here, but sometimes saying no is not always easy. Sometimes saying no comes after the fact when you you realize that it just doesn't fit. And sometimes no definitely comes at the forefront when, when you know, some of that spike comes in and then the immediate answer is no, because I don't want to play the game or I don't want to be involved, right? Or I don't want the emotions or the feelings. So no does come at different places, but that we don't have time to unpack 30 years of this. I said the word we, why is it we can't say no all the time? And that's, that's one of the biggest stresses, right? We just say yes, because we think we have to say yes. And we create that. I mean, I'm one of those people as well. Like, sure. I'll call you tomorrow morning. No problems. And I see no opening for three minutes. Yeah, I can see you in. And all of a sudden I'm freaking out. Yeah, but what happens when you become the no person, right? So there's this fear of being the person who doesn't want to be a part of the solution, right? Like I am very, very much guilty of like my plate is overflowing right now with outside of work volunteer things I need to get done like by the end of business today. And it's because if no other persons are stepping up to say, yes, I can create a project plan for this massive fundraising event. Uh, then I'm the person who does it because who wants to be the person who lets that fail? It's not me. Yeah. Competitive. That's, that's, thank you for saying that. You know, part of Kristen Neff's self-compassion conversation, um, she says something. She goes, uh, there's a couple of ways of responding to saying no. You don't have to say no. All, you know, one of the things I've learned is, uh, hey, Kevin, I, I'd love to do that with you. I think it's a great idea. However, I know that if I do say yes to this, I may not be able to get the other things done or it's sort of creates some extra stresses for me. How important is this to do right now? Framing it that way and with the loved ones, it's even nicer because you can say something like, I love you, dear. And I also right now need to take care of myself. Let's do this together some other time. 
it was the biggest turning point in that self-compassion. And that takes away a lot of stresses as well. I think it's also playing to the strengths of your team, right? We can say no, we, we can say it. And we can acknowledge that we don't have all the skills to necessarily accomplish everything in our day or in our week, in our month, in our life, whatever it is. But there's a player on the team that has the strengths and, and you need their assistance or, or work together to do it, right? We're talking at home or in the workplace, wherever. Play to the strengths. We all know we have our weaknesses. And if we can at least deal with that first and through that, as you said, right? Like, this is not a great time or this is... This sounds like a great project. I can't fit this in right now. When can we do this that better suits both of us, right? That's a hell of a lot to say in a short period of time when you're under already a trigger and a stressor of, I got 17 other things to do. And well, how am I going to fit this in? But yes, I'm going to say yes, because I uh, work well under pressure. And I want to help someone else. I want to mm-hmm. help. I want, you know, I want to be a good person. And why is saying no, not good? I know I'm coming back to Licky's question and I'm, I'm, I'm going down a different path, but I, I'm president of a not-for-profit club and I watched the past president like get mired in operational things that were not governance related, which is exactly what the board is. And I stepped in and people are asking questions and, and, what, and I just like, what I learned with this organization, what do you need from me? What kind of support do you need from me and who best on this team can support that? Because I can be one of 13 people or I can be one of 13 people, right? And, and I know the team of this organization that I, that, I, that I am the president for. Why would I tell somebody else how to do their job when they're doing a fantastic version of it? But if I need to be in the middle of it to help solve a problem, then yeah. But I have great players on the team and I play to their strengths. They know their weaknesses and they come to me when they're stuck in a bubble to say, hey, how do I get out of this? Put me in the same situation and I definitely struggle a hell of a lot harder with it to, to, you know, either go to leadership to ask for help or to say this isn't working or whatever. But in the same circumstance, I can easily do that for somebody else. Good. Thanks, Randall. How do you know, like when you are in a stressful situation, what are your indicators? Um, whether it's your thinking, whether it's your, you know, bodily reactions, your behavioral tendencies, you know, what, what's a flag for you? What's, what tells you, warns you that you're in a stressful situation other than the very obvious, like cars coming right at you in your middle of the road, time to run. It's not what I'm talking about. More of those subtle stressors. Like the physical sensations? Yeah, any, any of those. So, you, you yeah. know, it could be our thinking. What changes in our thinking, uh, like self-doubt might come in, rumination, uh, bodily functions, for sure, like heart rate could, you know, uh, breathe, you know, shallow breathing, sweating, behavioral tendencies. You know, what is it that you would say, hmm, that's a sign right there. I'm, I'm under stress and maybe didn't even realize it until just now. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. For me, it's all of a sudden I'm not sleeping. 
And then after a couple nights, it's like, oh, I'm not sleep phage. I should figure out what's going on in my head. And then I'll begin to journal and hopefully I stumble across whatever is bothering me. Because just like someone said, once it's uncovered, then I can deal with it and I can work. So that's a subtle stress where I could be going through every day thinking everything is fine, but I'm not sleeping. So obviously something is not fine. And then it's mm-hmm. just, I go through the process of attempting to uncover that. And then once I uncover it, I'm back to sleeping again. That's for mild, of course, when you're not even understanding that something's bothering you yet. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's a great example of what I was asking is what are those subtle signs that you don't even realize you're under stress and suddenly you realize, why am I biting my nails all day? Hmm. Yeah. Or I'm not sleeping, right? Why am I snapping at people today? You know? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I get reactive. It's like a snow globe. My thoughts are all over the place and then I get mm. a little snappy. <laughs> yeah. I start over snacking on sugary things. Oh, and, <laughs> me too. And I avoid doing the things that I need to do. Like I find distractions that are meaningless so that I can avoid the thing that's causing my stressor just to increase the stress. No. You ever go, you ever like walk to the fridge or some or the pantry and you open it up and you just stare at it for a while. And you're just like, hmm, not because we're hungry. <laughs> What's that? Right. It's probably because we're stressed or something else is going on. Good, Jennifer. Are you typed, start craving more coffee? Yeah, I notice this pattern <laughs> where the more I'm under stress, I'll go from like just having a cup of tea in the morning and being totally fine and then maybe some herbal to like, okay, today I'm going to make a pot of coffee and tomorrow I feel like making a pot of coffee too and... And I have two cups and then, oh, maybe I'll have another cup in the afternoon. And it's because my tank feels empty. But if I use caffeine, I can put my foot on the gas and pull a little more out of the tank. Except the downside of it is what I don't see is I'm getting more and more short-tempered and irritable because of the caffeine and the stress. And then I've depleted myself and there is nothing left in the tank. I've run it completely dry. And then I, then, then now it's burnout. And I've now seen this pattern, this cycle a few times. So I can start to recognize it and consciously not like, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have coffee. And then I have to notice my body feels tired. Like there's, it's carrying too much. And now I have to say consciously, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm getting stressed. I better think about what I want to do as opposed to just push through it. Mm, Good, Barry. Well, the word burnout, right? We all wait until we burn out before we can start putting self-care plans in place. And I loved your question, Kevin. What's your, can you even know what your first sensation is when stress is coming in? And is it stress or is it an emotion that's making you stressed? And do you even know what the emotion is that way? That's taking you to the stress level. Or another question, do you just keep on doing self-scares and build your self-care back it up so that the stresses don't come in or you can manage them? 
So you can be like me, buy a Peloton and think you're going to be on it every morning and then buy a second one because you're in Kelowna, you're going to be on it every morning. And now it's a great little kind of like boots. <laughs> and then I wonder why I'm stressed. You could be like me and buy some dumbbells thinking this, this, now I can, now I can exercise. And after they, after they get dusty, then you, uh, you buy a recumbent bike. Oh, now I got this here. I don't have to go to jail. I can exercise. After that gets dusty, then you buy a row machine. I'm not letting that one get dusty, though. I'm trying. Haven't you just, in essence, introduced a uh, statue of stressors? Like, you've created this, like, hall of stressors because now you've set an expectation for yourself that you're not meeting, right? That is so oh, true. I don't know, that's like a mic drop right there. Right? <laughs> And you said statue, and it's funny because my row machine sits like this, but for storage, I always put it up like this. So it's like a monster statue, like stressed. It's a little failure reminder every day as you go out the door. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really great, big, huge, expensive way of reminding yourself of how you did not meet your own expectations today. That's great. I should get rid of all exercise equipment. Gone. No, that's not, that's not at no all what Jennifer is saying. That's not, not what I'm saying. <laughs> I buy exercise equipment I can keep at my desk oh, because some. when I'm sitting here in meetings, I can do like shoulder exercises. I can do leg exercises. And most people don't know because we're all on video. And then I don't feel guilty about like tonight I'm going to a basketball game. And so I won't feel guilty about not making it to the gym tonight. Okay. Nice, nice. You held that thing up. I had stress immediately. So I just want you to know. <laughs> Do you like, feel triggered that someone was exercising while on a call with you, Kevin? I, it's my guilt that's triggering me. <laughs> that's an emotion. I also keep my dumbbells on my desk because I can do different exercises with those ones. Like, wow, I'm oh my goodness. I'm getting stressed out now. I sure take this in the I have a long ass. I know. As I look down my dumbbell drawer, I might whack someone on the head. I push it on the top one. Well, that's why it's okay. a beauty that I'm the only person in my office most days. So, <laughs> so something that I learned, something that I learned is when you assign a room or a thing to 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 be a thing, right? Whether it's your office, it's your home, it's your 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 dining room. As soon as you start to allow those things to shift to a different space, so think our three years now, po you know, during and post. Where did we begin to eat more often? Where did we begin to spend time more often? Where did we start to do those things where, Kevin, I imagine that your some of your exercise equipment might be in your living room, which is probably next to a coffee table, which is probably next to somewhere that you've enjoyed a coffee or maybe even ate breakfast this morning because we have a dining room that we got out of a habit of using because everybody was, quote unquote, at home for some period of time or not at all, if you were like me. As soon as we start to integrate other rooms to become more things, the room itself is a stressor. The room itself is overwhelming because is it your living room, your kitchen, your dining room? Is it where you sleep or take your nap? Right. Whereas like with Jennifer's point, she's taken this to her office. She's the only one in there. She's exercising physically, but she's helping her brain. Right. Because we she's created this space. I don't allow in my household to eat in the living room because the living room is the sofa, the coffee table, the television. It is not the dining room and it allows your brain to separate. This is something I learned during and post and, and stuff I've had to apply in my own household because I didn't grow up in that household. You could go wherever you want, do whatever you want. The exercise equipment in the household I grew up in never got used. The treadmill that was in my living room that I finally sold and got rid of because it was an excellent winter coat holder. 
was because it was in the living room of the room where we do things like, oh, we're done for the day. Let's watch an hour of TV or just drink a cup of coffee in the morning. And the thing just sat there because it was like, this is not the room for that. So when we start to blend too many things into our spaces, we start to not realize what space we're actually working in or, or what we want to do in that space, which is why going to the gym is a great thing. You have to get in your car and go there. But once you're there, you're damn committed because you drove there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great, Randall. Marshall Goldsmith wrote a book called Triggers. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the types of triggers he talked about was environmental, right? And so what you just addressed there was, you know, the environment. We have a lot more control. We're not fully in control, but we have a lot more control of our environment than we sometimes think. And so just like you said, taking that proactive choice to separate and make sure uh, you have the environment you want to have is a good step towards reducing triggers. And back to like Sue's comment of sleep, for example, this is just, a, I'm using that as an example here uh, with environment, right? If if people have insomnia or trouble sleeping, one of the things that the you know, counselors will say is leave your bedroom for sleep. That's the only thing you do in the bedroom. Well, and yeah, you've got a significant other, but we're not going there. But leave the bedroom for sleep, not TV, not getting on your eye, you know, your phone, your tablets, you know, just sleep. That way you you get you, your body is used to, okay, this is now sleep time, right? It's that environment trigger that's really important. Sometimes we can't help it, but when we can, we should create the environment we want, right? It's good. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program. Those getting stressed with all these ideas that they have to implement. <laughs> it was um, fine Kevin, you said have to. Yeah, Kevin, I just want to, you know, it's interesting. You know, you and I are very similar, right? You, you, you've got dumbbells, I've got the Peloton. And the reason those want to get used is because you and I get on calls first thing in the morning because we love what we do. Mm-hmm. And I would, I want to challenge this because it's, it's, it's bringing up a really good question for me is that you and I love what we do because of the outcome that we create. And that is the gratification as opposed to creating stress. The stress is doing the work. But the outcome is incredible. And but we're putting aside our own well-being of working out in the morning. But is that okay? Because we're still getting the outcome at the end. Well, uh, let me let me shed some clarity on what your comment is there, because I could do more work in less time. But like Jennifer brought up, I would prefer to procrastinate at times. So it's not that I don't have the time to get on my row machine. I, although I did a couple of days ago, it's not that I don't have the time. It's that I don't prioritize the time. You never, you never find time. You have to make time. Yeah, that's right. It's prioritizing, right? There is, there is, is this a safe assumption? We tend to have the time we need for the things we prioritize the most. 
So the question is, why do we allow that then to stress us? Mm, exactly. Ooh, full Inverting circle. That is so important. Like, why would we let it stress us if we don't? Because we're prioritizing the wrong things. Snap. Exactly. Wait. But are we because like, so I have, after many, many years of not doing this, I have prioritized my weekends to be for the things that I want to do. Right. So I might spend an entire day reading a book that I've been meaning to read for a really long time, which means then my bathrooms don't get cleaned and my laundry doesn't get done. And I feel good about having sat down and just read a book all day long and not done those other things. And so I don't feel like I prioritize the wrong things, but it is stressful on Monday morning when I don't have slacks to wear to the office, right? And so like I choose the things that restore me, but recognize that I will deal with the stressors once I'm done restoring my inside. I think it's awesome that you're prioritizing like fun and life and taking care of yourself. For most of the last 20 years, what I prioritized on the weekend was not my family. It was catching up on the work that I couldn't get done during the week because I was in back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings and getting the work done and the deliverables and living up to the expectations of people at work was a bigger priority than spending time with my kids and my husband and having fun. So I'd say, you know, the awareness of your priorities and checking in on them is probably like part of that because I clearly was prioritizing the wrong stuff. See, and I was doing this sleeping two to three hours a night during the week to get all the work done, like working just tremendous hours during the week so that I could be present at the basketball tournaments and the marching band competitions and the helping build props and stuff like that, right? And so now that my kids are, one is off in the military and one's a senior in high school and they're far more independent than they used to be, I get to now say my Saturday is because this book has been sitting on my shelf for six months and I need to get it read. And so I'm going to get it read and I want to get it read. Or it's date night, it's hiking, it's, you know, musicals with my husband that he doesn't want to go to, but because he loves me, he'll entertain them. Yeah, I think it comes back to what Licky was saying, like, what are the outcomes that you're, that are meaningful to you? Uh Uh-huh. And then Monday, I will address all the rest of those stressors that I let go of for the weekend. I love that. What I'm getting from that, Jennifer, is uh, this idea of being deliberate. This idea of you know, this prioritizing is a good or bad prioritizing. You know, that's a personal decision, but it's, it's actually the act or the deliberate act of this is what I want. And this is what I recognize is going to be some of the consequences, but that's okay because this is the priority list. I can deal because I'm getting what I want. I can deal with some stress from this. And I think that's, that's a big step in taking control, if you will, of our lives. And I use that word loosely because there's very little that we can control in life other than our own reactions most of the time, not even all the time. That is a form of managing stress, Mm -hmm. a good form of managing stress. It's because, you know, if you, if you followed through on it, as Jennifer said, then you have the energy and you have the wherewithal to 
deal with those stressors way better than if they're just, they're just triggers or they're just accidental stressors. If you go into something intentional, you have much more energy to complete it than, than when you go in by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's managing stresses. Uh, this is all, you know, all these tips and processes we're putting together here is, is really part of the whole self, idea of self-care boundaries, you know, creating some self-compassion. It's like taking charge of our life instead of letting life take charge of us. Right. Yeah. Let's do it this way. Uh, to elaborate on that, what's one thing you are not currently doing that you could do to create a little bit more space. One thing right now, what comes to mind? I tune into my favorite song on the radio. Like I'll actually stop and go, I like this song. And then I just kind of groove to it for a while. And then I go back to work. Nice. I take the longer beach road in and do the same thing, listening to some tunes on my uh, iPod that I like. But one thing that I'm not doing that I need to start doing again was uh, carving out a lunch, like not just sitting here grabbing a you know, sandwich, typing away. Mm, good. What else? What one thing could you do to take care of yourself? Create a little boundary. Take the dog for a walk. Yeah. Meditate. Listen to your favorite song. I mean, okay, I can list off. Of, I mean, those, there's three right there that I do every day. So which one are you meant to for sure? Well, I do those every day. So I'll finish those. <laughs> I think the question here is, you know, what aren't you doing right now that you could do to give yourself one more layer of self-care? Uh, for example, maybe you just need to block out 10 minutes on your calendar during your workday. So nobody can step on that. Nobody can book a time away. You know, like, uh, like Corey said, maybe you, you're used to eating at your desk. Maybe you literally just need to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take 30 minutes and go for a walk while I eat or sit somewhere else while I eat. You know, it's like, what subtle shift could you make that will help you gain a little bit more peace and tranquility and, and, ah, you know, back into your life. Uh, one thing I worked on and I need to get back to, so this is a reminder to recommit is, uh, just building more margin in my schedule. So, uh, putting in breaks between appointments a little bit better than I've been doing, because I find that's when I really get worn down is when I just go back to back to back to back to back. So I need to be disciplined. It's not a motivation. And by the way, I was going to say that too. All of we've been talking about is not a motivation problem. It's a discipline problem. Because discipline is the action and action. Motivation follows action, not action following motivation. Exactly. But a lot of times we see it as a motivation problem. Oh, I'm just not motivated. Well, no, mm. it's because you know, you're not prioritizing it or you don't want to prioritize it. Here's what I've learned out of my, my, my time with 5 a.m. and my breakaway and my now like coming back to falling back in line with why I enjoyed it so much. My most critical thinking happens earlier in my day and it is part of the programming of my brain and part of the wiring that I have. There are some absolutes in there that I cannot control because it's what I was gifted with. My most critical thinking, my most, my most powerful decision-making tool comes to me earlier in the day. And this, the longer the day goes on, the more creative I get. And then the more ornery I get because I'm starting to lose control of the things that I can't even control or that I want to control about myself or my environment. 5 a.m. is all just me. 
There is nobody else around. My house is silent. It is my peace. It is my place. The dog loves it. The coffee pot loves it. And I love it. By 7.30 in the morning, chaos as a parent has ensued. And by 9 o'clock and I'm sitting in this office and I'm like, you know, 5 a.m. was bliss. That was a beautiful time. I had a few hours left to, to get a whole bunch of critical thinking thought out. And then I'm all for create, 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 create. Okay, I'm done. Nice. I don't know. I tried to tell Siri to set my alarm for 5 a.m. And all I hear is, I'm sorry, Kevin. I do not understand that request. <laughs> hey, Kevin, let's just do a quick, uh, quick exercise here. Fire, fire moment. One thing you're going to do today for self-care. I want to call my best friend. Go ahead. Next one. Can I go to get on the road machine. I'm going to go have coffee with an amazing person that inspires me. Perfect. Oh, we said it at the same time. That's funny. See, yeah, I'm there. missing something. I need to be in Kelowna today this afternoon. This morning for a coffee, apparently. We're, yeah, we're meeting at o'clock. So there you go. Okay, next. Next. Fire, fire. I'm off to the Oregon State women's basketball game this evening. Perfect. Love it. One thing you're going to do today for self-care. Corey? I'm going to go for a walk at lunch. Randall. Good. I'm not going to play this game well today, so I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to believe my chair to my best song. Nice. Right. And they ask for that, the moment you say that out loud and you have accountability, you're going to do it. So accountability is your friend as well. So find a, find a buddy, find a way of holding somebody accountable. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.